0: as we continue to study these words in Ephesians 5 about husbands and wives, today we'll talk about to sanctify her. Let me read those words from beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In all of the marriage ceremonies that I have had the privilege of participating within, I have intentionally given these blessed words of Scripture to serve as the foundation for the new relationship of marriage that the husband and wife will be entering into. And I do count these words as being of that vital importance because anything that is being built must have a firm and trustworthy foundation, else it will not endure. Jesus warned us about that in giving us the parable about the house that was built upon the sand. He said that when the winds came and the storms beat down upon that house, it fell. And great was its fall. But not so with the house that was built on the foundation of a solid rock. It was able to stand firm throughout all of the winds and the storms that came against it. And so also that is true for a marriage relationship that's built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ that marriage is able to withstand the worst of winds and storms that come against it. And that assurance is so very comforting to me as a husband. But may I also say that the benefits of this blessed relationship that we have with Christ reach far beyond just being a means of protection from all the storms of life. Jesus also brings with Him so many other blessed provisions, good and precious gifts of love that make all the days of our life a comfortable walk in green pastures. It's a treasure that He brings with Him. And again, yes, that special experience of love is what all men and women do desire and seek after. A love that meets all of their earthly needs and provides joy and happiness. But as you know, unfortunately, most husbands and wives never find that. And that's especially so when the relationship is is between a husband and wife that do not have that solid rock of Christ as their foundation. For them, when those storms of life come and those storms surely will come into every marriage, their foundation of sand will begin to give way and they'll find that their relationship, their marriage, is just suddenly washed away, lost forever. That's why these precious words about love are so very important for us to accept and to understand and to embrace. Every part of our relationship with Christ and every part of our relationship with our husband or wife is dependent upon this one word, love. Now I'd like to pause here for a moment and bring back to our minds some of the understanding we received in an earlier message regarding love. And especially to consider again those usual forms of love that men and women experience. In that earlier message, we talked about four kinds of love that are spoken about in these scriptures. Three of which can be felt and experienced by most all people, even those who do not have Christ within their lives. And those are the kinds of love, the forms of love that seem to somewhat satisfy most all the people of the earth. One of those kinds of love that can be experienced by all people is the phileo love, phileo, brotherly love, the kind that we feel towards friends and neighbors. Another kind of love is similar And it's that kind of love which parents and children experience. Storge love. The kind of love that flows through family relationships. And then a third kind of love, the one that most all the people on all the earth seek after and enjoy, is eros love. The kind of love that's mostly physical and emotional. But that fourth kind of love, agape love, it stands alone is of a whole different nature and expression from those other forms of love. Agape love is especially unique in that it is only present within those people who have Christ as their Savior and Lord. May I say it again? Agape love is only present within those people who have received Christ as their Savior and Lord. Christ Himself is present within agape love And He continually blesses and shores up and strengthens that foundation of our marriage. That's why as the winds blow and the storms come, agape love will stand firm. It'll never fail. And may I say that, and I want to say this with all clarity of understanding, that unless and until both the husband and wife are truly saved, until they have Christ securely within their heart as their Savior and Lord, These precious truths that we're considering here today can never really come into being. Christ, as Savior and Lord, is absolutely essential to the godly agape love relationship that will hold a marriage together. That's why God is so clear and plain in his warnings about being unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Listen to these words. And please do mark these in your Bible because they're so important. These words come from 2 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Folks, great care must be taken before entering into a relationship of marriage. Too often the husband or the wife is a believer, but the other is not, is not. Yes, yes. The unbeliever might want to believe and actually believe that they believe, believe that they are saved. And such confusion as that takes place too often here in this Bible Belt South of ours. We grow up in church. Our, our family members are saved and we think that we are saved. But somewhere along the line, we fell short. And therein is the continual pitfall that couples fall into. One is truly saved, but the other is not. It only begins to show after the marriage has gotten into those stormy trials and parts of that foundation begin to give way. Unfortunately, too often, by that time, there are precious children who suffer terribly in the process. And yes, we, we do read in 1 Corinthians 7 that sometimes an unbeliever might later become saved. And that being with direct influence being brought by the godly lifestyle of that believing spouse. Let me read those words for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. If any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Folks, these words are precious. And they are filled with hope. And I find that so especially when two unbelievers get married and then one of them comes to know the Lord, but the other one doesn't. This can take place. And we do pray for the unbelieving husbands and wives in those relationships that are unequally yoked. We pray that the unbeliever will come to know Christ, but we have to realize something. Such response by the unbelieving spouse often does not take place. And I say these words as a warning, especially to those optimistic believers who decide to go ahead and unequally yoke themselves together with an unbeliever just on the hope that they can later on perhaps save their unbelieving spouse. That takes place an awful lot. But such decisions as that are simply not in accord with God's will. He says, do not do it. So then, All men and women must, must take great care as they enter into the relationship of marriage. Both the man and the woman must be securely saved in Christ. It is then and only then that the precious wonders of a loving marriage that we have been talking about here and will talk about can truly begin to take place. A husband who is an unbeliever cannot obey this command. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, and gave himself up for her. He must be a believer. Notice also, though, carefully, the the next words that God gives. In verse 26, these words reach deeply into all that we've been saying. Again, verse 25, Husband, love your wife, as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. And listen, verse 26, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now again, let's remind ourselves of what we're reading about here. The analogy and the pattern is between Christ and his love for us and our love back for Him. Within the foundation, that solid rock upon which the relationship of marriage is to be built, again, the person of Christ, and this special agape love, must be present within the heart and soul of the believer. That's what all this is based on. And again, that foundation that Christ provides is through His sufferings, as we're told here. His death for us, His bride. It is only through his death on the cross that we, his bride, can be sanctified, made holy. If he had not died there on the cross, you and I would never be sanctified, never be made holy. Again, let me read these words. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her listen, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, may I declare to us that Christ's example is clear and plain here. While we may not be able to fully grasp the understanding of how we lowly and wretched Creatures might sanctify our wives. God is assuring us that he, he can make that take place if we will firmly commit ourselves to follow the precious path laid out for us here in these words. First, though, may we understand what we're talking about with this word sanctify. And may I begin by repeating the warning that I gave in an earlier message. No one, no one person except Christ himself can actually save another person from their sins. Christ and Christ alone bring salvation to our souls. And we husbands should never assume that we can do any part of that with our wives. However, with that being said, from the words that we have just read there in in 1 Corinthians 7, husbands... We know that we can participate in the salvation and the sanctification of our wives. Let me say that again. From those words, husbands, we know that we can participate and we are being commanded to participate in the salvation and the sanctification of our wives. That's what these words are all about that we're reading and studying here. Those words from 1 Corinthians 7 again. For the unbelieving husband is made holy, sanctified, Because of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy, sanctified. Because of her husband. There's a direct involvement there. And that is the same understanding that we read here in Ephesians 5. That we husbands not only can, but we're being commanded to take this this responsibility. To actively initiate. And to carry on forward with the sanctification of our wives. Again, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Folks, listen. These are not just powerful words. They are power-filled words. They carry with them all the power and the resources of the kingdom of God. They are words of promise, Words that assure us husbands that if we will only follow these very simple commands, wonders beyond our imagination will take place within our marriages. In these words, we're being instructed to assume the most Christ-filled role that we have ever imagined. A role in which we cleanse our wives by washing her with the pure and cleansing word of God. Now, do those words seem odd to you? They seemed odd to me when I first began to study them some years back. But these words are not odd at all. They are simple words of truth. As husbands, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our family, ourselves filled with God's Holy Spirit, and fully committed not only to our own sanctification, but also to the salvation and and sanctification of our family members, especially our wives. And while, yes, we ought to be very knowledgeable and thoroughly studied in, in these words of God, it will not be our cleverness. Let me say this. It will not be our cleverness of speech or our presentation of these words that will bring about the sanctification of our wife. We can't talk her in to believing or into this sanctification. The power... To do that is already within the words of God. That's what he's telling us here. These words are powerful. They have their own singular power. Let me read that for you. That's in Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 12. For the word of God, this, this word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce down between Bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And it is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It is powerful. And I'll say again, they carry their own power. All that we husbands need to do is to be very intentional and very purposeful and very diligent to pour out this word upon our wives daily and all throughout each day so much so that it will just become a way of life for us. We must pray with her several times a day. Husbands, do you pray with your wife? Do you lead that prayer? And several times a day, do you fervently bring family and friends and other concerns before the throne of God with your wife? We must take her to church so that she can hear more and more of these precious words of God. We must do Bible studies, get involved in Bible studies and spend devotional times with her. That is the pouring out, the washing, the cleansing of our wives with the word of God. And if we'll be faithful to do those things, then God will be faithful to do all the rest. He will sanctify our wife, make her holy, purify her soul, and set her apart for His special plans and purposes. That's what sanctification means. To be set apart for the purposes of God. And He'll do that. But we have to do our part. That's what these words mean. That's what these commands to us husbands are all about for us to be the spiritual leader of our family and to pour out this blessed Word upon our wives. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. What a treasure! A husband has when his wife is so fully trustworthy. But that takes place only as we do these things. One last thought and I'll close. These words also have an implicit warning hidden within them. That warning is that if we husbands do not pour out the cleansing words of God upon our wives all throughout the day, but instead we pour out the corrupt ways of the flesh upon her. Our opinions, our ideas, our dislikes. If we pour out those corrupt ways of the flesh upon her, she will just as quickly be guided by that. In other words, if our wives watch us curse our neighbors... Or she watches as we cheat in our business dealings. If she watches as we complain about those in authority over us. As we complain about work or our co-workers. As we choose to watch ungodly programming on our television or in the movie houses. She watches as we take advantage of other people and their weaknesses. Then husbands... We need to be assured that our wives will be guided by all that we do and say in those circumstances also. And I don't mean to paint a wife as being mindless and not able to make good decisions. It is simply the nature that God has put within our wives to join in with us in our beliefs and in our behaviors. That's what makes us one flesh. We think alike. We act alike. There's a special portion of Scripture that's not initially given between a wife and a husband. I I believe, though, that it is appropriate to the understanding of these words here today. These words come from a promise that Ruth made to her mother-in-law, Naomi, in the book of Ruth. There she said in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. A oneness to the end. Husbands, we must understand that that is what our wives will do in their faithfulness to us. So we must be ever so careful in our leadership of our wives. Everything that we think and say and do is being carefully observed by them. And God has put within their souls to follow us wherever we go. So husbands, guard your steps carefully and do as these precious words command. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let's pray.